0: Connect the dishes
2: to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories.
0: Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and One,
2: two, clean. How you hold your mic like that well like guys I have my mic on a stand where it's like equidistant not equidistant it's like at the right height for my mouth but Sarah like just her. she doesn't have like she took the like end off her mic that you would use to sit it down on the table and just holds the actual microphone part in her hand and like waves around she's talking I don't know how you do that I'm too lazy to hold something in my hand while I do that
1: I actually really really prefer it I don't know why I know that a lot of like I am not saying I'm a stand up comic because I could not never be a stand up comic. I'm the most, I would be so embarrassing. You'd be so
2: bad at that. I'd be not, so not, bad. not in like a mean way, but it's like, I feel like if no one laughed, you'd be like,
1: okay, bye. Yeah, because I would, because <laughs> that was already tested. So. Yes. <laughs> but no, so I, uh, I prefer to have my mic handheld. But the reason why I was talking about stand up comedy is because um, I know a lot of like stand up comics. I feel like they either need to have the mic on the stand or they need to have it in their hand just walking around the stage. Like they need to just kind of drift. Um, and I'm definitely a drifter, but I'm not a stand-up comic. Let me get that very clear.
2: <laughs> I don't know what I'd be. Cause like when we had our live show, it's so funny though. Cause we had like, th- we like plan like a 30 minute bit or like a mini episode basically. And we had like, it's different though, because when we record at home, like we record in our kitchen. So like we can just talk like we do now. And because we're talking to each other like we talk about stupid stuff but then like at the show we plan like 30 minutes of things to talk about and talked about all of it in three minutes yeah <laughs> And then we just sat there and we were like yeah I and mean, we made it work eventually like it was like a little rough in the beginning and we also forgot to press record on the episode we were going to post on our feed so that's that's literally the most crying, public thing ever but yeah it was funny well
1: so the you know the it, the show went amazing. It was, like, the best time ever. But the thing that was hilarious, in my opinion, and the reason why the beginning was so rocky, is because there was so much chatter. Like, the, and that's not a bad thing. Like, that means that people are just having a great time. But we went on in between, like... Band set. So there was music before and after. So everybody was already like energetic and ready to just hear some more music and like do whatever they want to do with the music in the background. Uh, So everybody was like getting drinks from the bar. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a sit down, like be quiet and listen to the podcast. And it's not like I'm like, everybody shut up. Like that did not happen. And I love the environment. Like the energy was so great. We felt it. But Cindy and I are such fast talkers. And I wanted to get another drink from the bar. So we managed to fit, like Sydney said, 15 minutes of content in three and a half minutes. And then we left.
2: <laughs> so but funny. the thing is, like, next time we do a live show, like, we'll probably just literally, like, just be crying in public. Yeah. yeah. And we will, um, like, obviously have it be, like, a, I want to do it like a movie theater. Like, you know how, like, Angelica Film Center has, like, small movie theaters? Yes. I think that'd be so fun and do, like, a pajama night or something. I am gonna be cute as fuck.
1: Yeah, like a crying in public sleepover because I feel like our brand is like, oh, we're the big sisters and like... I'm the worst
2: well, sister ever. Also I'm be like, your wing woman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also be like, oh, never mind. Mother. I was gonna say, like, one of us will probably... <laughs> but Yeah, more. take that out. Absolutely not. <laughs> <So you laughs> take, take it out. out.
2: It's like whenever we have like a cute moment, Sarah takes this like all, all the way left. I'm like, girl, what are you talking about?
1: You should, you should keep, keep what I said and in and just bleep it out. out. <laughs> um... Alright you guys, um, welcome to Crying in Public, that is who we are. My name is Sarah, and that is Sydney. And my
2: name is Sydney. We need, okay, we keep saying we're going to do that, and then we never do it, so like if you are new here, or like still don't know our voices, the deep one is Sydney, and the good one is Sarah. <laughs> In terms of her voices, yeah.
1: Uh, Sarah has the obnoxious laugh. Every single time one of my, like, personal friends ask about the podcast, they're always like, who's the one with the annoying laugh? Is that you or Sydney? And I always say Sydney. But Girl, it's me. goodbye. <laughs> it's me.
2: Oh, people always DM us saying, like, they love how your laugh sounds. Like, you literally have bronchitis. <laughs> and it's, it's true.
1: Um, if I were to be funny, like, in any capacity, it's because the laugh is funnier than the joke. You know, like, I'm one of those people where I have this hilarious laugh. Um, but like, I can't tell jokes. Anyway, we are crying in public. Make sure to follow us on our socials at crying in public podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And you can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ho.
2: also the funny part about you telling jokes is that like, you don't let the joke sit like this morning. (laughs) Your last you said something. You're like, this is my joke. And right after you said the joke part, okay, it was, um, what was it? You know what I'm talking about? No.
1: Wait, was it this morning? it
2: was last night.
1: Oh, then yes. Oh, you were, okay,
2: yeah. Sarah was like, um, we're talking about like girls that are shallow. And Sarah was like, my best part is like when I meet guys, I'm always like, oh my God, like I'm not shallow at all. But the punchline is that like. I am shallow but not until they like are locked in and then she was like saying the, the, the punchline was that I am shallow like that's what's funny about it and I was like Sarah you need to give me a second to literally laugh she was like no Sydney that's the punchline it was a joke and it's really funny that part is that I am shallow I was like Sarah you didn't even let me process the joke before you started explaining it
1: well because whenever I am funny I get so excited about the fact that like oh my god I was just funny and Sydney the funniest person I've ever met in my life just, life just laughed at me so I always want to make sure that like she knows that it was funny like i really want to drill it in there that was actually funny.
2: yeah i was like girl you didn't even, you didn't even face your sentence before you started going this is what happened i was like okay i was about to laugh and then she started explaining it i was like all right girl we're gonna work on this
1: there's this kevin hart skit where he goes just like the the persona of like the white dad who like golfs all the time and he laughs like yeah. and he's just not funny at all but he laughs at his own jokes and that's me
2: yeah <laughs> No it's okay It's okay You're funny You're funny You're funny
1: Well we're funny Because you're funny you know, so the no, podcast I, was funny. Last <laughs> night,
2: Sarah and I invented an entire language <laughs> in 15 minutes to talk about guys at the bar without any of them noticing. Like, I'm not joking. It was like a new form. It's like a new dialect of sign language.
1: And it's so It's good. so good.
2: Like, we we literally communicated four sentences with each other without talking.
1: Yeah, and we made it up in like 20 seconds. In literally 20 seconds. And it was so good. Like, we just talked that way the rest of the night and nobody knew what the fuck we were doing. We probably- were like, doing it in front of people. And they were like, what's wrong with these two people? <laughs> like, also, If you
2: knew sign language, you looked at us, you'd be like, what are they talking about?
1: Yeah, and it's so clear. Like, Even if you do know sign language, actually, I don't really know. People m- might actually think it's ASL. But if you do know sign language, or even if you don't, you're definitely going to think something weird is going on. Because our hand movements are so It was literally to the figure. whole
2: dance. Skin and marinkadinkadink, skin and do And then, I love you. love you. Yeah, that's how we came up with the... I don't know why we use that as the basis <laughs> of our movements. But, um, yeah. Too many
1: cat noirs. I hope
2: we remember it. Because if we did all of that work in that foundation building... For us to never be able to use it again, I'm going to be very upset. Because I think that was very, it was very accurate. It was very effective. You know? And, like, now bad. that, like, Sarah's taken, so she's boring. But I'm single now. <laughs> but I'm single now, so I'm going to be skin ranking do all downtown. So you need to know what I'm saying.
1: Perfect. Yeah. And I'm a great wing woman. Anyway.
2: Speaking of breakups. Um...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of breakups.
2: <laughs> Literally breakups and trying to get over them. Um, without crying. Um, in public, which I also did yesterday, <laughs> um, and the day before. Anyway, we have an incredible guest on today. Her name is Mary Crocker, yeah. and she is the—oh, We you introduce her when we start talking?
1: Oh, shit. I don't remember.
2: <laughs> I don't know either. Okay, really? I'm leaving all of this in. This is so funny. This is, like, literally how Sarah and I's brain works.
1: We're so sorry, Mary. You're so
2: sorry, Mary. <laughs> this is, this is really you just crazy. forget
1: what we what did. did earlier. We, but uh, we do have a special guest on today. Okay.
2: Her name is Mary Crocker, and she's fabulous, and we love talking to her. So, yeah.
1: Here she is. is. (laughs) All right, we are so excited to have Mary Crocker on the podcast. Mary is the author of her new book, Unveiling Alice. It's a story inspired by true events where a blindsided situation turns into something inspiring and, most importantly, entertaining. Thank you so much for coming on, Mary.
3: Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today
1: us too so jumping right into it give us some insight on your origin story what inspired you to want to be an author or writer in the first place
3: Yes. So I will say um, being an author is not my full-time gig right now. So I currently work in tech. So this was definitely a passion project kind of on the side. However, I've always felt it in my bones that I have just like wanted to write a book. This has been for years now. Like if you go back on old journals, old goal sheets, you know, vision boards, there was always like writing a book was on there. I just didn't know what I was going to write about, but I knew that I was like meant to tell a story in some way. And then life took, some unexpected turns for me to put it lightly. And it gave me a story that once I brought the pen to paper, I just couldn't stop. It just words flowed out and it was so healing too. Um, but that's kind of how it, that's how it kicked off. It was something I've always wanted to do and life just brought it to me and I capitalized on it. So
1: amazing. So what made you want what made you want to, instead of like writing, because there are so many different kinds of writers, of course, they're writers for magazines and writers for publications and whatever. What made you want to sit down and like write something as time consuming and as like thought provoking as just an entire book? Like what put you in that direction?
3: Yes. So it's interesting because I always thought I would write a nonfiction book. Like I thought I would be, you know, think of like how to lose a guy in 10 days, the how to grow. I definitely thought I would be like that route type of person who'd write a self-help book, something that's really inspiring, that would give really tactical steps on how to get from point A to point B. Um, but since this was such a personal story that I was inspired to write about, um, it, I wanted to one, you know, be protective of those in my life that were involved in it. Um, but I also was like, I need to recreate this ending. And so that kind of took me down that fiction route of, you know, deciding like, I'm going to make this something really magical. And it just, that also contributed and helped with a lot of the healing from the breakup as well. So that's kind of what, you know, led me to that route. I was then, it took the pressure off, like just having to make everything um, so, you know factual so like this is what happened and also protected myself because it is a personal story and it's vulnerable enough to just you know share a story in this sense but I was able to then you know take some moments I was like I'm not ready to share that and then also maybe exaggerate some like really small details and make them you know bigger than they were so that's how we got to the entertaining piece of it which was fun so it was a good a good experience.
2: So before we dive into your personal life and kind of the inspiration behind the book, can you just like a little short synopsis about Unveiling Alice, what it is?
3: Yes. So Alice, it starts off, she is younger, mid-20s, we'll throw it out there. Um, And her whole life is, it's set out for her. She has the perfect job. She has the perfect fiance. She's getting the wedding of her dreams, the man of her dreams. I mean, what, what more could you want? We all dream about that. We all dream about our wedding, but none of us dream about having to unplan a wedding. So a mere days before the wedding takes place, Alice's fiance um, calls off the wedding and it's public. It's sudden. And she is just completely shocked and it turns her world upside down. She's kind of forced to have to reinvent her future and really find herself again. And you're going to, see that alice really discovers that she kind of lost her identity and who she was in this person and in this relationship so you're going to go along that journey of her owning what happened owning her part in it you know, holding the piece that somebody else did that was out of her control as well and making it something really magical. So it's exciting. It's fun. Um, It's a really fast, light, easy read. And you will go through all the emotions. You will truly, people have told me they have laughed with her and they have absolutely cried with her, which is just so great. I love that each chapter gives a different emotion. So.
2: You've sold me. I'm like a fanatic about romantic (laughs) books. So trust me, you sold me on that one. Oh, good. Talking about breakups, obviously, which is a topic. um, Our listeners know that we've all been through our fair share of breakups here at Crying in Public. So how do you make that (laughs) jump from feeling extremely self-conscious and upset and sad, as you put it, to getting to a place where you can own your story?
3: Oh my gosh. Yes. I know. Well, I just have to say that like the crying in public title is like so accurate and you will see that in chapter one of the story, she is going through an airport because she doesn't live back where like her family is living. And it's a really traumatic crying in public scene. So it's perfect. No pun intended, but there is a lot of crying in public in this book. Um, yes. So jumping from that and just kind of, owning that, you know, there were just a lot of things that were happening in the breakup that were happening out of my control. And that's such a big lesson that I had to learn from this is that I can really only control myself and I can't control other people. And so that's kind of what sparked this in wanting to, you know, create that magical ending for myself, rewrite the story that was in this future that was stripped away from me is really, um, get to that place where I can get that power back and find it within myself. And there were lots of different moments in this healing process. And from the breakup that um, showed me that I had it in myself all along and lots of people in my life who also helped me see that, you know, it's one thing to just tell someone, oh, you're strong, you can do this, you can move forward. But I was really blessed with people in my life who helped show that in me and helped guide me to those moments of, you know, that self-actualization. And so that was really massive as well.
5: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars,
1: oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. That's great because we hear all the time, you know, Cindy and I work a lot of jobs and, you know, relationship problems is very frequent here on the podcast. So we always hear like, just get over it. Like, relax. Just get better. Like, feel happy. And I'm like, wow, thank you. You just cured me. (laughs) Oh, truly. Yeah. And that's great that you had such an amazing support system. Uh, We also tend to hear a lot about breakup rules. So like you're only allowed to be sad for half the time that you and your person dated. Like that's a famous line from sex in the city and more like that. What do you think about anecdotes like that? Do you think that there's any truth to them? And do you have your own breakup routine? Like something that you.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I will just say it is different for everybody. I don't know. Are you guys big into the Enneagram at all?
2: No, I no. I see like a type three, type four. I want to do the test, but yes. they ask me questions, and I'm like, oh no, too, too much. <laughs> I who I am.
3: Yes, yes, I know. I'm big into it, and I just think my enneagram type. It just it helps you understand your personality and your behaviors. Um, so I won't go down to that too much that route then. But, um. I I just don't think like grief and healing is just, it's not linear and it's different for everybody. Um, and there's different types of breakups. Like there's mutual, there's ones that you see coming, there's the blindsided breakup. And mine was very blindsided. So my response to it was very different. Like the way I went through the grieving process was, it was so different than other people. Like I didn't sit in bed crying for a week. I moved and With Like that next week, I was working remotely at the time and I was still getting on meetings. I was camera off, obviously, but I had to like force myself to stay busy. And that's very different from other people. You know, my best friend told me, she was like, I don't know how you're not sitting in bed just with ice cream and like crying. And granted, I was that's just my personality. Like I, if I knew I was going to cry, I would excuse myself from the room. And I was like, I need to go do this in private. Cause I've cried in public enough pun intended again. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I don't know. I think that's such an unfair rule and you have to give yourself grace. Like there are going to be so many moments where you're going to have days where you are like, wow, I've truly made strides. And it's one step forward. And then something so small will take you two steps back and that's okay. And it's going to happen. I mean, Something as small I remember is when I first moved out here to Nashville. So I'm originally from California and I moved out to Nashville about two months after the breakup which is big, um, super helpful. If you're getting through a breakup, like go reinvent yourself in a new city. It's the perfect pilot for a sitcom. Um, and that's just what I envisioned my life to be. But I remember it was like those first couple weeks living here and I was driving and I saw this guy running and from the back, it like looked like my ex and my body just went into like an absolute freak out mode and I was having such a good day. And I just remember that because of that reason that it's the small things can set you back. You see a car that is the exact same car that they had. You see a license plate from the state they used to live in. And you're like, oh, my goodness, all this stuff can send me back. So you have to really give yourself grace. And I just think if you're going to place like strict standards around how you should act and how you should be, it's just going to it's going to set you yourself up for, you know, feeling disappointed in yourself. And that's totally not fair in such a difficult time.
1: Yeah, my ex had a blue pickup truck, so very, like, when you said the car thing, that totally rang true for me, because I do not know anybody else with a blue pickup truck. They're so rare, so out of the ordinary, uh, but whenever I would see them, it would totally ruin my whole day.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, My like little thing was my ex was super into like airplanes and jets and like always like anytime a jet flew over would like have to look up and it was like really into that stuff and which is like dorky about them, but I also love that about them. And so there would be moments like I would see an airplane flying over. I was like, absolutely not. Like, I don't even want to see that, like just the smallest little things, but everybody has that with, you know, their person. And so, yeah, you have to give yourself that grace.
2: But I love how you talk about healing for breakups not being linear. It was like, like, people are like, oh, like, after four months or five months, like, you'll be okay, you'll get closure. Or see them one more time, you'll get closure. And obviously, not everyone believes in closure. I'm not, we've talked about it before. Like, it's kind of like an iffy thing, but I know it means a lot of different things to different people. So for some, that means breaking all contact. Sometimes that means one final conversation to work things out. What do you think is how these get closure if it even exists in your mind?
3: Definitely. I will say, younger Mary thought she needed closure from everybody. And I definitely thought that everybody owed it to me. And if I could go back, I would have saved myself so much time and so much back and forth with exes. And I think the big thing is that one, nobody owes you closure. And I do think we are all strong enough to get through something without like someone giving us that closure. And what I learned through this and my personal experience was that me finding closure on my own really helped me feel that empowerment again and know that I am strong enough. And so that was really big, but it's different for everybody. Some people do need that final conversation. My situation just wasn't granting me that opportunity. Um, That's probably the best way to say that I, I did not have an opportunity to go have a final conversation and so, I think it's, yeah, it's different for everybody. But my biggest piece of advice or insight is that you don't have to get closure from someone else, that it is really can be, you know, a self guided journey. And I think that there's lots of different ways to go about that, whether that's, you know, big in prayer, big in meditation, exercise, um, journaling, things like that. There's definitely ways to get there. Um, but yeah, for me, it looked like getting it on my own. So, I think it's just
2: different for everybody. The best piece of advice I ever got was that closure comes from within. You can never really get closure from someone else. So I definitely agree with that. That was a great answer.
1: Yeah, because not everybody's like you. You know what I mean? So the only way you can find peace is by getting it within yourself. Because nobody else really, everybody is around here caring about their own peace. You know, you can't really rely on somebody else to give that to you. For sure. I think that was beautifully said.
2: Also, getting answers sometimes doesn't really do what you think it's going to do for you. You know, it just opens up more questions, more doors, more self-doubt. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. And I think you're, you're kind of giving that person the power then, like you're then leaving it where, oh, they gave you that closure. They like almost gave you permission to move on and heal. And mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I got to a point where I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. You, you made this decision without me. Now I'm going to take power and control over the things I can moving forward. And closure is definitely one of them. So. That's,
2: that's
1: great. great. Yeah. That's a great... Yeah. That's really, that's, that's a really great. great stuff. Stuff. <laughs> yes. So how did how did writing, unveiling Alice, how did that experience have an effect on you personally throughout this journey of closure and self-empowerment?
3: Oh, it really taught me that, you know, I just had this like breakdown moment this past week after kind of releasing it. It just, it reminded me of my strengths in life and helped me, I think, really, uh, I don't know, I re- just remind myself that when I am smart, I am creative, I am capable. Um, also, I am supported. I think it just... It shed a lot of light on just the community that I have and just the, you know, wonderful relationships in my life and people who really believe in me. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing, but yeah, it's just really shown me that I'm, I'm much more capable of things than I probably give myself credit, um, to be. And that was, that was such a gift in itself. Um, and I think it just opened up the opportunity that writing is something that, I don't think this is my one and only book. I don't think this is, you know, the end all, the end of it. I think there's more to come down this route, what that looks like. I don't quite know yet, Um, but I, I loved it. And I loved this experience. I loved, the biggest thing is I loved making meaning of something so difficult in my life. And so I hope to just continue to do that with my stories, with other people's stories and find the best way to, you know, share that with the world
2: so obviously what happened to you is very, very personal. So at what point did you know you wanted to share that with people publicly? Like, was there ever a discussion where you didn't know if it's just for you or if it wasn't even to help other people with? Like, what was that journey for you?
3: Um,
2: it was not an easy journey. And if I'm being
3: honest, uh, about two, three weeks before the book was going off to the printers, I did have like, freak out moment with my editor and I was very nervous about it because it is a very vulnerable story I was nervous about how it would be perceived by people like oh is this just a crazy girl going and sharing her story and you know slandering her ex and my editor was like you didn't come in with that intention like when I did come in and I sat down with my editors I made it very clear these are my intentions. This is what I want someone to feel and experience when they finish this story. And they really helped me shape and ensure that the book, you know, met those expectations. So it was not easy. And there just, there wasn't a lightning strike moment where I was like, oh, I want to share this with the world. I think at first it was, like I said, there were just so many things that happened out of my control. And this was kind of that one way that I could say goodbye in the way that I wanted to, because I didn't get to say goodbye in the way that I wanted to at the beginning. And so it was kind of my way of getting closure with it all. And I did it on my own. So I think that was just kind of the journey throughout, but it, it wasn't easy. There were definitely moments where I felt really high on writing it. And there were also many days where I would be sitting in a coffee shop verge of tears because I'm reliving very raw moments that I am sharing with any random stranger or even my dad my mom who is going to pick up this book and read it so it was it was an interesting journey for sure
1: yeah I think making the personal public is something that we discuss all the time here on the episode hence the name and also a lot of things that I find a lot of women in my life go through because with the rise of social media and Uh, The internet in general, everybody is putting their story out there more for the public, for their parents, for friends to see. And it's usually very personal stuff. What would your advice be to someone who was on the verge of, like, coming out with a story like that or something that you went through? Like, what would you kind of, like, how would you guide them along the process? Or how would you, would you even, like, recommend that they do it? Or does it depend on the situation? Like, what's your advice for someone in that process?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think come back to the question like, how do you want to make meaning of this? What are your intentions? How do you want someone to feel if they were to pick up your story? Um, Would it feel like it was written with malicious intent? Would it feel like there is another agenda with this? Or if you're really writing this to create a space that is really, you know, vulnerability breeds vulnerability and it's going to help others and people are going to feel that with you, then I think you're on the right path and trust yourself. I think if your intentions are pure and good, the good's going to come of that. And I think that was really how I felt when I started writing it. And I I wanted it to be a story that it wasn't just for people who had a broken engagement. I think it's for anybody, you know, who's going through a life altering event. I've had, you know, people from my grandma and her friends read it to old bosses who are, you know, men in their like 30s or, you know, just all these different areas and different demographics of people reading it and they're able to connect with. Alice in some way shape or form Um, so I think that's the big thing is it one you need to be ready to share it with the world and that takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of bravery but just come back to what your intentions are and then really think about how would you want the reader to feel reading this do you want them to sit there and just take pity on you or do you want them to feel inspired you know and once you're kind of in that place of like this is how I want them to feel at the end of it that will then help you start from that beginning piece and really kind of piece it all together.
1: It's really great that one story with one situation affected so many people. And that's all. Congratulations. That's, that's Thank amazing. you.
2: <laughs> Thank you. So what do you see coming next for you? Because you said that you uh, are also in tech and you're also an author. So what do you see coming next? Do you want to be an author full time? Go more towards the tech side? Like, how do you balance those two? And what do you see next for you?
3: Yes. So in the tech world, so I'm a, um, a sales training manager. So I onboard our reps. And so I, I absolutely love that job because I get to create these like really strong relationships with new hires, help them reach their full potential, get them, you know, started, really build them up. And I, I absolutely love that. Um, but I do also love writing. So my boss was actually joking with me the other day. He's like, you're not allowed to leave until you sell a million copies. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So if I hit that, then I can leave. Um, but I think right now, I definitely see it something that I want to continue. I'm still writing in my free time when I can. And I think that would be like the, the dream would be if I could write like story scripts for Hallmark, because I am such a sucker for Hallmark. I love the happy endings. I love watching the underdog, you know, um, find their self-worth and really, you know, rediscover what's important to them. And so that would be the ultimate end goal, but I'm not going to give up writing. So I think right now I'm just, you know, taking it day by day, but have some big dreams and we'll, we'll see where life takes me. So
1: awesome. All right. And for our final question, what is a piece of your best advice? This is a big one. What is a piece of your best advice for our listeners going through a rough patch with their relationship or breakup themselves specifically? Uh, what's one thing that you want to leave them as this episode comes to a close?
3: Definitely. Um, one, take care of yourself. It is okay to say yes to things, say no to things, try new things. If you want to go and reinvent yourself, do it. And also just surround yourself with good people who are going to give you that space to be yourself and to discover yourself again. I think I am so fortunate in that way that I have just had the most supportive community, friends, and family and would not have been able to um do the things that I've done this past, you know, uh, year and a half, if it weren't for them. But my best friend really just allowed me to like do what I needed to do on a daily basis. She never let me go too far. But if I was like, I really need to go out and buy this new dress for myself because I just want to feel good. And I want to go out with the girls tonight, have some drinks. And she's like, do it. And then there were days where I was like, I need to say no to this. And I just need to sit in my room and have some time to myself. And she's like, do it. And so take stock in your community right now of people who are going to be with you at your lowest, but also celebrate you in your highs. And if you feel like they're not truly in your corner, I would start there. It's like being proactive in that sense too is really important, but yeah, just take the time and that you need and give yourself grace. That's, that's my biggest advice to anybody.
2: I love that. Thank you so much again for coming on, Mary. You've been incredible. You've had such great advice and just, Wise notes for all of us that we're definitely taking down. Make sure to check out Mary's new book, Unveiling Alice, at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and more. It's a fantastic read. You can find her on Instagram, at Mary Crocker, and on TikTok, at MaryCrocker5. Thank you so much again, Mary.
3: Yes, thank you ladies for having me on. This was
2: so much fun. Yes, we loved it. Thank you so much.
1: Mary, did you know no. that you're <laughs>
2: Truly really the, <laughs> you know? no, uh, the they that, that song got a little. They like, Mary, did you know you would literally like bleed out to death in a, in a manger, manger in the forest? <laughs> also, how would with she some know? Some donkeys.
1: How would she know? How would she have known?
2: But that whole song is questions, and nobody provided an answers, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: a little bit confused. <laughs> Pentatonics. That's the version I was singing. I did your oh, no. backup I vocals singed, like.
2: I was singing La- what La- Green's version. Oh. Pentatonics online—they be doing too much. Like eight of them, same at the same time.
1: I lo- five of them, and I love Pentatonics. <laughs> that was really amazing. Mary was such a good guest. Ugh, we have amazing guests on here. Um, and I especially like—I haven't gone through a breakup in a while, but the—I went through like the most drastic breakup I ever went through was in college. It was like three years ago, and it like obviously nobody canceled an engagement or anything like that but it was probably one of the most like life-changing events ever and just hearing her advice really made me even feel because i'm fine it's been three years and i feel very at peace but it just kind of reaffirmed my peace if that makes sense you know and hearing about her support system is so great because that was one of the main things that i had going through my breakup was just, just such a great support system such great friends and family who totally was were very sympathetic so yeah i really liked it it was that was great very inspiring I can't wait to get her book. I'm so excited. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was a great episode, and we can't wait to see you again. Bye. Bye. That was such an innocent bye. Usually, you're like bye.
4: <laughs> I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.